So now we are going to finish up this message series uh, called 10,000 Steps. The reason that we are doing this series or that we have done this series is because we ask you about once or twice a year, what kind of messages would you find beneficial to your life? Uh, I'm not just a talking head, although sometimes I may feel like that to you. Uh, the point of what this is on Sunday morning when we come together is to give praise and worship and honor to God, but also to to provide you with tools and resources and a connection with the Holy Spirit that will carry you from now until the next time that we worship together in person or online. And so one of the questions that you asked is, how do I share my faith? My faith is important to me, so how do I share it in a way that is non-threatening and that would get the people that I am in relationship and community with to want to be a part of, of West or of the faith community or the church here? And so for the last three weeks, we've been talking about what it means to share our faith. And the bottom line is, it's just by taking steps, physical steps with other people, being in relationship with other people. The, the tract idea that I grew up with where you go from door to door and you hand someone a, a tract that talks about God and Jesus, you know, really... That's just not an effective mode of evangelism. The number one reason that most people come to a church is by word of mouth invitation. They be become friends with someone or become acquaintances with someone and they say, hey, you know, will you come check out my church with me? It's different. Uh, I promise you won't be put on the spot or anything. So come check it out. That's how we check out. That's how we share our faith. We've been talking about what it means to be in relationship with each other. In our country right now, we seem to be struggling with that just a little bit. We're very polarized. And so at West, I feel like it's our responsibility to talk about things the way that Jesus would. And Jesus would have just had relationships with the people. He hung out with people that were different than him. The scripture passage that I want us to hear this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12. Jesus is hanging out with the people that he has been doing the miracles with, and they've, they've fallen in love with him. They are enjoying their time with him. They are finding that their lives are different. And so hear what happens at the end of Matthew 12. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and his brothers stood outside waiting to speak to him. Now, this is his biological mother, Mary, and his brothers. Someone said to him, Jesus, your mother and your brothers, they're standing outside waiting to speak to you. And Jesus replied to him, who is my mother and who's my brother? Pointing to the disciples, those were the people that initially began following Jesus and his teachings, pointing to them, he said, Here, here's my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister 
and my mother. The whole point of that lesson that Jesus was teaching them is that it's not just about biological relationships. It's about a connection. It's about a sense of unity and a sense of community. So we're gonna bring the lights up right now. And for the last couple of weeks, several of you have asked me why we have stuffed animals and why are they blocking where you normally sit. If you'll look, there's a giraffe. He's sitting to uh, my right, your left. And so we have like two rows in the middle of each side of the auditorium. They're like our VIP section this morning. So if you'll actually turn and look at the stuffed animals for just a second, what if they represent people that are not yet here? How would we welcome them? What would we do with them? If you want to steal a stuffed animal, that's fine. I will put you on the spot and you can have relationship with them and engage in conversation. Do you know that like a lot of churches, when you go in, there are spots that people have. It's their spot. And you don't mess with their spot. So first of all, I'm impressed that you have not displaced the stuffed animals because they were in your seat. So you get points for that already. But what I want us to do this morning, and this is going to move you out of your comfort zone, and I apologize for that. We like to sit very far away from me. This morning, would you please, and I'm saying please, like pretty please, would you consider like getting up? Jacksons, you guys are the winners because you're already down here. Nanette and Heather, you're the winners too, Barry Brown. If y'all would come sit down here, pretty, pretty, pretty please. And the team's going to sing while you move.
So this morning, don't you like it so much better up close? Oh, look at y'all in the front row. Oh my gosh. Are y'all trying to win like brownie points? This is awesome. Thank you guys for moving up. I want you to take a look around. This is a significantly sized community. It feels big. This room seats 650, about 700 people. And it always feels like there's nobody here. But actually, there really are people here. And you do things like change folks' lives in Uganda. So first of all, when you ask about how do I share my faith and and how do I lead other people to experience this transformational love of Jesus, you do it by loving other people. And that's what West does. That's why we exist. We are a missional faith community. We exist to give ourselves away, not to make ourselves bigger or to build big buildings or fancy buildings. We exist with generosity so that we can go make people's lives different. Even with the kids, the wired kids, so kindergartners through fifth graders, they come up with $50 a month, $600 a year, and they sponsor Gladys. Not their parents, not the wired leaders, they sponsor Gladys. And they write her letters and she writes them back. When we went last uh, Last year, we took videos of the Wired Kids to show to Gladys, and then she sent videos of herself back. These things matter. These things are changing people's lives. And that's why this matters. That's why being in community matters. Ten years ago, I was getting ready to be ordained the first time as a deacon in the United Methodist Church, and you had, we had to go to a training in San Antonio, Texas. Now, back then, I had not traveled a whole lot, especially in, in different parts of our country, much less world, and I had not encountered a lot of people that were different than me. Uh, I grew up very churched, and God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they've been a part of my life as, as long as as I can possibly remember. But I went to this conference in Houston, Texas, and I've always been taught that people of other faith traditions were wrong, that they were bad. In fact, when I went to college, my friend invited me to go to the Wesley Foundation with her. That's the Methodist Student Union. And I had to call my dad and say, is that a cult? I'm like, Daddy, what are the Methodists? And he's like, it's just another group of people that worship God. I mean, I really, I just didn't know to see things differently. And so when I went to Houston to this conference, I got in a cab. And the, co- the cab driver was of a Muslim. And he asked why we were there. We told him we were there to attend a conference. And he asked what conference, so then we got the whole story that we were going to be pastors, and so we had to get past the whole woman thing. He's like, women can be pastors in your faith? And I'm like, well, in the Methodist tradition, yes, yes, we can. We believe that Paul was writing to a very specific group of people, and in that church, there was a group of women that were raising up a lot of stink. They were uh, pot stirrers, and so when Paul said, women be silent, he really meant it. He wanted that group of women to be silent but not all women everywhere. Paul's disciples were women. Some of Jesus's disciples were women. It was a different period of time back then. So I explained that to him and he said, oh, okay. And he said, tell me about this Jesus. Well, I felt very inadequate at that moment in time. I had never been around someone of Islamic faith 
And I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, just tell me about him. He said, you know, we're really not that different, you and me. And I was like, what? Uh, Islamic man telling me we're not really that different? He goes, you know, we worship the same God. It rocked my world. So this morning, for the next 25 minutes, I wanna do something that we've never done here before. Michael Brown was the pastor at Boone United Methodist Church when I went there a long time ago. It was the first time that I ever went to a church and I didn't leave hearing that I was gonna go to hell and that there was this thing called grace. Michael Brown was at Boone Methodist then. Since then, he's been at different United Methodist churches across our conference. And now he is the pastor at Marble Collegiate in New York City. That is the oldest Protestant church in America. And they are very open with their theology as far as respecting one another. And that's what I want us to think about today for just a few minutes. If we are going to share Jesus with people, there has to be an openness on our end to see where they are first so that then as we build relationships with one another, we communicate Jesus with them. Now, I want to be very clear that I believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and life. And that if we want to experience the fullness of being at one with God, atonement, then Jesus is our way. But I also know that other people of other faiths are just as passionate about theirs as I am mine and you are yours. So in order to begin taking those steps with other people and sharing Jesus with other people, we have to first listen and learn from them. So a few weeks ago at Marble Collegiate, they had a Jewish priest an Islamic Ayman, and then a Christian speak for like 15 minutes. And then they each had to answer a question. Because I don't have resources like that right now around me, I wanted you to end this message series about sharing our faith by hearing people different than us. Because you know what? At the end of the day, they're really not that different. God is good all the time. Let us worship the Lord. A place of love, a place of hope, a place of inspiration, a place where all are welcome. America's oldest Protestant congregation, founded in 1628, Marble Collegiate Church, and our senior minister, Dr. Michael Brown, welcome you to Simple Faith. We have three very special and outstanding guests with us today to present uh, Rabbi Joe Potasnik, Dr. Hussein Rashid, and Sister Carol Perry. Uh, they have been invited to share a word of scripture from their own holy texts and then to uh, reflect on the theme coming together in today's world. Uh, they will present immediately one after another. So I welcome uh, Joe, Hussein, and Carol today on behalf of you all and look forward prayerfully to hearing God's word. Thank you. 
Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Brown. It is an honor to be called your rabbi, which of late has become a full-time position. So I thank you for that. Uh, Sister Perry, with whom uh, I shared a dialogue with not too long ago in uh, this church, and uh, Dr. Rashid, who I've been privileged to meet today for the first time, members of the Extraordinary Choir, uh, members of congregation here, thank you for this great honor. Your uh, minister, Dr. Brown, has an unusual way uh, of inviting people to participate. He called me some time ago. He said, Joe, you believe in free speech? I said, yeah, I do. He said, good, I want you to come give one. Thank you so much. I know that uh, when you have members of the clergy all in a service, your concern is not just what are they going to say, but how long are they going to take to say it. So let me just uh, tell all of you here, whenever I speak in my congregation, I uh, preach for precisely 18 minutes, never 17 or 19, always 18, for a practical reason. It takes me 18 minutes to walk from my house to the synagogue. Every moment as I am walking, I prepare the sermon. So the length is determined from where I am coming from to where I have to be. I came here today from Brooklyn Heights. <laughs> the traffic was rather heavy. <laughs> but I will adhere to your time concerns. A great theologian said years ago, if there's going to be peace in the world, there has to be peace among the religions. And if it's going to be peace among the religions, there has to be dialogue among the religions. That's why this kind of meaningful moment is so important to promote the cause of peace in our world. Years ago, I was invited to St. Patrick's Cathedral for the induction of a friend of mine who became uh, an archbishop, Edwin O'Brien. And he sent me two tickets for that installation ceremony. I arrived there, and I had this extra ticket. And there was an elderly Catholic woman who wanted to enter the church, but she didn't have a ticket. So I went over to her and I said, here, take mine. I have an extra one. And she looked at me, she says, ah, may Jesus bless you. Who are you? I said, I'm a rabbi. She said, a rabbi? Only in New York, for a Catholic to enter St. Patrick's Cathedral, do you need a rabbi to give you a ticket, right? <laughs> and I think of her on this day, because the truth of the matter is that all of us Different faiths need to open doors for one another. My parents, survivors of the Holocaust, lost five children, came to this country after the war, arrived in Lynn, Massachusetts. The first group to greet them were the nuns of St. Mary's Church. Now, they weren't there to convert them. They were there to help them rebuild their lives, in a sense, to begin again. I was talking this past week to a rabbi in a place called Whitefish, Montana, 20 Jews live in that entire community. And as you know, hatred has spread to Whitefish, Montana, anti-Semitism. And what happened this past week? The police station placed a mezuzah, that Jewish religious symbol on the doorpost. People in the community put menorahs in their windows to say, Jews have a right to live here as equals. We have to open doors for one another. That's why when you look in Jewish tradition at the Torah, the middle letter of the entire Torah is the letter Vav. Vav means and. 
It's a conjunctive. It connects one portion to the other. Each one of us has to represent that valve, that connector, to be there with one another. My father taught me years ago that one of the most important words in our language in Yiddish, in Hebrew, is efsher. Efsher means maybe. Maybe you don't know it all. Maybe someone else has a point of view that is also insightful. So don't think you have a monopoly on genius, a monopoly on all that is right. I uh, found a, a two passages actually from Isaiah, which I think captures the moment. One, you see it as an inscription on many houses of worship from Isaiah, Isaiah 56. What does it say? My house shall be a house of prayer for all people. It doesn't say for the Jewish people, the Muslim people, the, for all people, that we have to create this kind of spiritual setting where we all come, where the doors are open widely for all of us to participate as equals. And then if you go later on to Isaiah, it says the mountain of God's home shall be established. He will teach us his ways, plural, not his way. There isn't one way. There are many ways. I remember Ed Koch, when he was mayor, was asked about his belief in the Messiah. And he said, you know, when the Messiah arrives, or arrives again, I'm not taking any chances here with you. <laughs> Koch said, Koch said, we're going to have a press conference. And we're going to ask the Messiah, is this your first time here or your second time here? And Koch said the Messiah will probably answer yes, which means you are all right. So uh, when I first learned to drive, I remember trying to get on the BQE from a ramp, and I was nervous. I was just hesitant to enter that highway. And somebody got out of his car and started yelling at me. He said, the sign says yield. It doesn't say surrender, right? <laughs> well. All of us now, we yield to a new administration. But as you saw yesterday around the world, it doesn't mean you have to surrender. What it, and what it means is that all of us have to open doors for one another and find room, even for those with whom we disagree. I want to leave you with this story, told, of, uh, told by Senator Bill Bradley. Remember him? Bill Bradley was speaking once at the Walter Story here in New York. And uh, sitting at the dais, the waiter comes around, the butter, and Bradley says to the waiter, I'd like two pads of butter. And the waiter said to him, I'm sorry, sir, we have a strict rule at the Waldorf, one pad per person. And Bradley looked at him and said, well, do you know who I am? Senator from New Jersey. I was a forward with the New York Knicks. Went to Oxford. And the guy said, that's very impressive. He says, do you know who I am? He says, no, who are you? He says, I'm the guy with the butter. <laughs> so uh, whether you are a president of a country, a parishioner of a congregation, 
whether you're a senator, whether you're a server, we all matter. We all come here, different faiths, different faces, different philosophies, but we need to see each other as members of one human family. Thank you very much. Rabbi, you might have come from Brooklyn Heights. I came from Kingston, New York. <laughs> Should I demand equal time? <laughs> of all the things that Jesus said, of all the words that represent Christianity, as many of you know who've been in my classes, there is one passage in the Gospels that I think sums up everything. I have often said, if Jesus of Nazareth left us nothing else but this passage, we would have the Christian message. It's the Gospel of Mark, chapter 3, verse 31, and the following. And then his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him, and they called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, your mother and your brothers and sisters are outside asking for you. And he replied, And who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. A long time ago, G.K. Chesterton in the 1930s, great Christian scholar, said Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It has rather never been tried. And I think this passage is the heart of the Christian message. Picture the scene. Jesus is in the doorway of a small house somewhere in the Galilee, probably in Capernaum, and there's a courtyard crowded with people pushing around him. There are everybody in the village. This is excitement. There are housewives. There are farmers. There's a shepherd. Some little shopkeepers. Children. Always children. Perhaps there's a soldier or two pressed into service, willingly or unwillingly. And they're there to hear what he has to say. When the word comes across the crowd that your family is out in the street, your mother, your brothers, your sisters, in that first century world, your immediate family was everything. They were your employment agency, your retirement community, your health care, your police force. It was this tight-knit group that made you special and always cared for. And the expectation was that he would go to them. And Jesus doesn't. Instead, in true Mideastern style, he asks the question, well, who are my mother and my brothers and sisters? The crowd's puzzled. They knew who theirs were. 
And then he makes this gesture that includes everybody because he says anyone who is trying to do the will of God is brother and sister and mother. And that great division of the first century world collapsed. The walls came tumbling down. And suddenly there was but one family. And they must have looked at each other with astonishment. They had never thought of themselves that way. His brothers and sisters in the street must have suddenly wondered what they were to do with all these new siblings. <laughs> and I can see his mother. She probably has a little smile, and she's saying, that's my boy. Bring anybody home for dinner. They will all be welcome. This is the other version of the golden rule. And why and how is it supposed to take place? It's all because we keep forgetting the one family member Jesus does not mention because he does not have to mention that family member. Did you notice? He did not mention the father because we have but one father. He's ours for all of us. Whether we are first century Palestinian Jews, whether we are 21st century Muslims, or Jews, or Christians of more denominations probably than I have fingers, we are one family because of that one father. When will the day come when we will look at each other and say yes? You are my brother and sister and mother with all the rights, with all the privileges that family membership implies. Come in, sit down. You are welcome. Thank you. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of God, the most compassionate, the most merciful. O you who have faith, be maintainers of justice and witnesses for the sake of God, even if it should be against yourselves or your parents and your near relatives, and whether it be against someone rich or poor, for God has a right over them. Do not follow your desires, lest you be unfair. And if you distort testimony or disregard it, if you lie about it, God is indeed well aware of what you do. Quran chapter 4, verse 135. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. May God's peace, mercy, blessings be with you today and with all of us. I unfortunately do not have a sense of humor like the rabbi. <laughs> Something got lost through the generations. Perhaps you will bear with me still and listen to the message I have for all of us. As a Muslim, I believe that the Quran is the word of God. It is the holy book for us. But the ethical and moral guidance could be shared by all of us. Here in this passage and today, we can think about coming together around justice as witnesses for God. This is a promise of society that is true for all of us. This verse that I've read calls people of faith to justice against those whom we love, against the rich, and those who claim to be rich. 
because the greatest claim on us is from the creator of all of us. As much as we say money and positions give us power, make us great, Allahu Akbar, God is greater. Muhammad Ali was the greatest, but God is greater. Greater than anything we can imagine, all of us. So this verse, when we put it together with the saying of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him and his family, who said that no one can be considered a believer until she wishes for another what she wishes for herself. So the Quranic call to justice is not justice for you or justice for me, but justice for all of us. When I see an injustice, to paraphrase Dr. King, I know that it is a threat to justice for all of us. To allow a personal victory that causes injustice is not justice. It corrodes the soul of all of us. Reinhold Niebuhr said that justice is what love looks like in public. As a Muslim, justice is our manifestation of divine love, the suffering we take on for the sake of all of us. Yesterday was the Women's March. Close your eyes and imagine the one person at that march whom you know may in fact be yourself. And know a truth. It is a march not just for women. It is justice for all of us. The movement to recognize that Black Lives Matter is ongoing, perhaps since the founding of the country. Close your eyes and imagine the person that suffers from racism whom you know. Know this truth. This movement is not for black people. It is justice for all of us. To have a dream today is to want to build, not a wall, but America the beautiful. Close your eyes and imagine someone whom you love, fearful of being torn from you. Know this truth. To have a dream is not about immigrants. It is justice for all of us. As a Muslim, as a New Yorker, I am not an existential threat to my country, but a citizen who takes seriously a commitment to dissent as a patriotic duty. Close your eyes and imagine yourself in prayer, not sure if you're being watched for loving God or if it will be illegal for you to pray tomorrow. Know this truth. The freedom of worship is not for those who claim power. It is justice for all of us. So let us come together for justice for all of us. Let us come together in this moment, all of us, and build justice now and for the future, for the love of God, to bear witness to God that we are divine creation. All of us. Thank you. And each of our so for the sake of time, I'm going to cut it uh, to one. God, in the eyes of God. We're all the same. They have different faith traditions than we do. They're very passionate about theirs. I hope we're passionate about ours. I hope we'll learn to see other people with respect and with the eyes of God, recognizing that is in God's eyes, we are all the same. But I also know that Jesus came for the transformation and the salvation of humanity, and the way that we offer that is through love. Let us pray. Gracious God, thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to join together in relationship with one another and relationship with you. 
you showed us the one who gave us the ultimate example of what relationship is when he said not to his biological family, but to all, they are my brothers and my sisters. We are all one family, united together in you. Thank you for uniting this congregation, this group of people that are a movement of following the way of Christ May you use our actions, our words, our deeds so that we can communicate your love through the Savior who came and rescued this world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being a group of people that are willing to see things differently and push ourselves to grow in our faith. I kept you over today on purpose so that you will be hungry now because the wired children really are trying to come up with $600 to support Gladys. And I think it's really cool when children make that their mission. So I invite you to go out. There's five different pancake stations, the wire team and you two, our youth, they have worked really hard at preparing breakfast or well, actually it's lunch, but it's breakfast food for you this morning. And it's pancakes because that's like a typical Shrove Tuesday kind of food. If you grew up Catholic, Wednesday, we start the season of Lent. We start a season of self-reflection and journeying as we go to the cross and worship on Good Friday and then celebrate the resurrection on Easter. I invite you to join me Wednesday night at Faith for an Ash Wednesday service and then Friday night at the movie theater. Sign up today. Today's the last day to sign up as we go see the shack. And then next Sunday, we start six weeks of renewal. May you go. The food is blessed. May you enjoy fellowship and community together. Go in peace. I'm going to work the food truck because it's my Sunday, so I will miss you at the lunch. Go in peace. Thank you.